the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Yes, he is. They checked my ID at the door and let me in anyway. Those fools. (laughs) Good afternoon to you. Welcome. Good to have you with us. It is a Wednesday, five minutes after the hour of 5 p.m. As we get you started on the ride home or down the hallway, whatever it might be, for your Wednesday afternoon, we're going to keep you company for the next two hours addressing issues that impact your life and your world. Traffic reports every 10 minutes or so to get you home safe and sound. And, uh, boy, getting home safe and sound, isn't that a goal that all of us are focusing on these days, either consciously or um, perhaps subconsciously with all that's going on in the news. Well, we were told it would disappear sometime in the spring. By the time the warm weather got here, it would arrive late fall. It would be completely gone. By the 4th of November, you'd never hear it spoken about again. Well, that at least is true for those who have succumbed to it. Sadly, today, America has hit another tragic milestone. Matt Mattinson has more details for us. Johns Hopkins University reports the nation passed the awful milestone Wednesday as deaths spike across the country. A model from the University of Washington predicts the death toll could pass 300,000 by Christmas. The U.S. has the highest number of dead from the respiratory illness in the world. There have been over 11 million COVID-19 infections nationwide. I'm Matt Mattinson. Probably not something that you want to ignore or overly politicize, but rather deal with it head on. One of the big issues at play here, we're going to spend some time working through the science of it all today, but one of the big issues at play here is how we went from zero to 10 million infected with COVID over the course of about eight and a half, nine months, and then in the course of about two and a half weeks, went from 10 million to 11 million. Now, is it because a lot of people have been hanging out together, not observing social distancing and failing to wear face masks? Well, that's part of it. Are we just getting COVID fatigue and as a result getting a bit lackadaisical and sloppy in our regimen of um, the way we, uh, we protect ourselves and others? Yeah, that's probably true too. But my first guest tonight, I think, but also suggests that there are other factors, other elements that are more environmental in nature that will help us better understand not just what we can attribute this severe spike to over the last many weeks, but what, unfortunately, without proper mitigation, we may be in for in the coming weeks and months as summer has turned to fall and fall begins to turn into winter. 
Joining me next, no stranger to the KFAX audience. He practices emergency medicine in Dallas, Texas. He is a fellow of the American College of Emergency Physicians. He is also a celebrated photographer and author. He has authored three books and hosted and co-produced the television documentary Americans Underground, Secret City of World War One." Always an honor to have join us on the program, Dr. Jeff Gusky. Dr. Gusky, good afternoon to you. Thanks again so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule to share some very critical and important insights, particularly related to the trends that we see taking place right now. Um, there is, as I suggest, some environmental-related factors that are yes. contributory to what we're seeing in the spike. And and as I have been reading, um, we're going to see more of this unless we take some very critical and yet basic steps. So welcome to the program and give us a bit more background, if you would, as to why it is particularly to this time of year we are so vulnerable to the spreading of COVID-19. Thank you, Craig. It's so good to be back with you and, and uh, to talk with your audience again. We are facing a perfect storm of viral danger. Why? Because uh, we've never been faced with a, a virus like this before. We've never heard of um, the, a type of virus like this. And, and our bodies have never been exposed to anything like this. And, and it requires us to have a humility, uh, to see danger differently like we do in the ER and and to ask questions and the most important three words i believe uh that we all can carry with us is i don't know meaning that we question everything and so that's the way that i think as an emergency physician and an explorer and uh there is some information that has been out there and it's so clear once you see it it has to do with what's been happening in parts of the world where the pandemic has not struck. Uh, these are tropical areas and several other countries that are not tropical, but that are making their indoor air tropical, and that's Japan and South Korea. So, for example, yesterday when I looked at the numbers of the U.S., the, infection, the, the death rate in America was 762 deaths per million. In Japan, it was 15 deaths per million, and South Korea, 10 deaths per million. And what they have been doing uh, in Japan and South Korea, and what hundreds of millions of people in entire nations like Thailand and Taiwan and the Philippines and Indonesia and Malaysia, places that are very uh, humid, they have experience a type of unity that we don't think about and it is called cell mediated immunity which is it turns out it may be even more important than the immunity that we will acquire with a vaccine which is called acquired immunity it's a learned immunity after your body is either infected or inoculated but cell mediated immunity is just there and all you have to do is turn it on, and it works against all forms of respiratory viral infections, including mutations. So if, if this virus, like with the flu, you know, every year we need to get a new flu vaccine because the virus 
morphs into another form. It mutates. And that could very well happen with COVID. It, it's happened just in the last week or so in Denmark where COVID jumped from humans to the mink industry. They've called 17 million minks uh, because the virus mutated in the minks and jumped back into humans. And now it's spread to seven countries. And the worry is that that could actually circumvent all of the hard work on the vaccine. And, and so cell-mediated immunity um, makes us immune to everything, all comers. If this is a bioweapon or there's a future bioweapon, we're protected against it. And it's so darn simple to do. Um, it's so simple that uh, people will almost fall out of their chair when they realize it. The problem is there's no money to be made in it. So that may be why we're not hearing about it, but it's just about making your indoor air safer. So can I tell you about San Francisco? Oh, listen, we're, we're here. We're all ears. Absolutely. Well, before coming on the, the show today, and, and thank you again for inviting me. It's always an honor. It's, it's one of my favorite uh, uh, shows to be on. I just, you know, I love the way that you relate to your audiences and it's just very comfortable and, and uh, um, the, the picture of San Francisco is, is really surprising because um, the absolute humidity, and that's the number that we're looking at, it's not relative humidity, it's this number that no one's heard of before, it's not broadcast on the weather reports, it's not something you can easily calculate. In fact, you can't even buy an instrument on Amazon for any amount of money to measure the absolute humidity, yet virologists have known about it for years. And and what changed is that, you know how sometimes when you can't see danger, it's almost like it doesn't exist. Well, you couldn't see absolute humidity, but on April, on August 3rd, with the help of a, a company um, in Utah called Purple Air, I was able to create a new technology uh, with what I call viral safety index sensors, which give us a visual a visualization of viral risk and you can measure it outdoors and you can measure it indoors where the spread of COVID happens so outdoors all over the San Francisco area you have sensors because people are interested in in particulate matter with the fires and uh, it turns out the purple air sensor is principally made as a pollution sensor it just happens to measure the things that you need to know to calculate in real time the spiral risk so when you look at the last three weeks in san francisco i bet that you've had gorgeous weather and um i don't know that but oftentimes the absolute humidity gets dangerous on the most beautiful days it can be uh day it can be night it can happen on all four seasons winter summer fall spring it can happen when it's raining or when it's sunshine. You don't have any way of guessing that you're in danger. And you look at San Francisco, and your air has been worse than Wuhan out of the last three weeks, probably about two weeks. And I, I haven't looked at the San Francisco case counts, but I bet you're going to tell me that cases have gone through the roof. 
Yes, in fact, in the last uh, 48 hours, uh, the governor has mandated uh, rollbacks to the previous tier, and I think with the exception of one county here in the San Francisco Bay Area, we're essentially, in terms of the danger level, back to where we were in late March, early April. So that is absolutely true. Well, this is such a simple problem for people to address, and there's so much hope because um, I sent, believe I sent you a link or, or uh, your wonderful producer, Wanda, a link to uh, the viral safety index for San Francisco. You, you did indeed. And in fact, I, I spent some time poking around on there this afternoon. Great. Well, you know, this is something if, if you want to uh, make it available to your audience, it's free. It's something they can look whenever they want and get a real-time visualization of viral risk. So when it's green, meaning 10 or above, um, then your worry is less. When it's yellow or or red, yellow to it it, it ranges from yellow, orange, red, that means increasing risk. And it's not outdoors because I believe that COVID, uh, as an aerosol, it doesn't spread outdoors. Aerosols are like a cloud and they dissipate immediately on contact with the atmosphere. But what the low number outdoors tells you is that your indoors is at risk because unlike relative humidity, um, which uh, where the outdoor relative humidity doesn't match the indoor, absolute, they run in parallel. So if it's dangerously dry outdoors, you can be certain that you're at risk indoors and and so right now the risk is like eight nine i mean it's not it's very moderate but a week ago over the last three weeks oh my gosh it was scary looking and no one knew it and so by looking at the viral safety index map it's a visualization of viral risk and you simply do this it's so it's so amazingly easy it's just a matter of making your indoor air between 55 and 65, and people ask, well, what about black mold? Um, There are charts in the uh, air conditioning industry, and I think I shared one with you in some information that you're welcome to share with your audience, which shows you that 65% and below, you're not going to count. It says says no risk on this data sheet of black mold. And uh, as long as you're in a temperature range, let's say 60 to 85 in that range, no, no worries. And that keeps you in the safe range of absolute humidity. So here's what the research shows, um, that when absolute humidity is 10 or above, COVID mass spread all but disappears. What does that mean? It, it means that in a building, when everyone is breathing the same air at the same time that has an absolute humidity of 10 or above, they are all experiencing an immunity. It's a different kind of immunity than from a vaccine, but is it, it can be as powerful or even more powerful in killing the virus. And, you know, what's ironic about this, uh, you also sent me a link to some information at the National Academy of Sciences that touched on this very issue that demonstrated, not in relationship to COVID, but in relationship to the flu, that the same thing is true. Now, yes, certainly long term, the effects, the impact, the death rate of the flu is significantly lower 
than that of COVID. But in terms of the spread, they very much behave in a similar fashion. And researchers at the National Academy of Sciences found that if the relative humidity in an environment, in a room, was higher in the index level, as you suggest, that the ability to pass on the virus through that environment was significantly lowered. And, of course, we've seen this borne out with COVID in just the last several weeks as the climate has begun to get a bit colder. It's also getting drier. That means people are moving indoors. So what happens? Closer quarters, drier air, the ability of COVID to then spread is made much easier. When we come back, we want to talk more about the virtual safety index, the viral safety index, rather, and what we can specifically be doing to make indoor air safer. And when we talk about absolute humidity versus relative, what exactly does that mean? Is relative a lot like when we hear the term temperature feels like, which means it really isn't, but it feels like? We'll get back to more of our conversation with Dr. Jeff Gusky tonight. Some critical information regarding the spike in the spread of COVID and the action that we all can be taking to be much safer. A timeout, an update on traffic as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We are back with emergency room physician and fellow of the American College of Emergency Physicians, Dr. Jeff Gusky, talking about the latest statistics related to COVID-19, but most importantly, the paradigm shift we're seeing, this massive sudden spike. Now, behavior in terms of people not watching social distancing measures and using face masks, we've seen that pretty much all along. Uh, This is nothing new. But the sudden spike makes us wonder, is there something more going on here? And as as Dr. Gusky has suggested, there is a a growing body of evidence out there to suggest that, yes, indeed, and as we've been warned about indoor environments, and as the governor has come in and said, okay, we're going to close down indoor dining, indoor this, indoor that, maybe they've got a point, particularly as it relates to the quality of the air indoors. Doctor, if you would help us better understand, when you talk about absolute humidity, what is the difference between that and relative? Is, is relative, much as I suggested before the break, when we hear these reports like, well, the temperature is 65 degrees uh, today, but it feels like 70. Is that what it is? Well, not exactly. It's what we're all used to, but what does it mean? It, it means it, it's about the capacity of the air to hold water. It doesn't tell you how much water is actually in the air, which is what absolute humidity is. Absolute humidity is the weight of water in the air. So I call it the great deceiver. And when you look at the chart of Wuhan, it tells the whole story. Wuhan looks tropical 12 months a year. The the relative humidity is around 80, 85% January through December. When you look at the absolute humidity, oh my God, in November, it starts to drop off, and in December, when the COVID bomb exploded in Wuhan, absolute humidity was dangerously low. And when it's low outside, it's low inside, and the air people are breathing, and they never know the danger. So um, the uh, absolute humidity can be low when the relative humidity is high outdoors. And, and so what we need is a way to visualize danger. You mentioned the proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences article, which in 2009 
recommended in black and white. It breaks my heart when I read this. But an esteemed virologist said to nursing homes uh, that they needed to humidify their indoor air to lower the risk of mortality in at-risk nursing home patients from respiratory viral infections. Well, it never caught on because there was no way to measure absolute humidity. There was no way to measure viral risk. And now that's changed as of August 3rd. And we have uh, this ability to see the enemy. And now we can go on offense against the virus. Can I share something very hopeful? Please. There's there's uh, something happening right now in a place called Star County which is one of America's poorest counties. It's the most Hispanic American county in the whole country. And a miracle is happening. This county is leading us all towards safety. And it's an initiative uh, called Visualizing Hope. And it's a a cutting cutting edge uh, public health initiative to lower the risk of COVID mass spread by turning on the body's natural protections against the virus. So through uh, a very wonderful um, uh, benefactor, he donated sensors so that every school, every nursing home, the county jail, the hospital, the county courthouse, the police station, the mayor's office, the bus station, the grocery store, you know, retail restaurant, doctor's offices, an elder care facility, uh, a funeral home, uh, and I'm sure I'm leaving some out. It basically all the critical infrastructure in this town of Roma, Texas, and people can go online to the city of Roma and and click on COVID-19 and you see the story and you see the real-time visualization of viral risk. It is so cool. Imagine this grassroots movement that inspires hope all over the country because of mothers checking their smartphones before they put their child on the bus in the morning to make sure the indoor air inside the child's school is safe. And you do that with the, vir- the viral safety index. When it's 10 or above, when it's green, it's safer. COVID risk of mass spread all but disappear. You just don't see mass spread when people are breathing air that's 10 and above. And it's really cool why this is. So I believe that we cannot sterilize buildings. And we're not built as human beings uh, to live in sterile environments. We, we are built to live in environments where there are billions of pathogens and our immune systems protect us. But with COVID, we've never had a virus that spreads like it does. Now, it actually, I believe, is a little different than flu in that it's only these submicron particles, which is all that uh, is small enough to get way down deep into the lungs where the virus gets into the body. And, and so the, we, can't, we can't clean it, we can't distance it, we can't block it. All those safety measures they've been asking us to do, and I say this respectfully, not to be political at all, but the, the facts are they're just not working. In Europe, you know, they've been doing all that even more than America, and Europe is exploding. And so, um, so what we need to do is what some of the poorest places on earth are doing, like Bangladesh and Haiti, which have amongst the lowest rates. And it's simply making the air that we breathe indoors in temperate climates like most of America. 
look like Hong Kong and Taiwan. And, and the way we do that is so simple. You buy a, an inexpensive digital hygrometer, and none of the mentions I, I'm going to share with you have any commercial ties to. It's all altruistic. Um, the, the one that I'm using is called Govi. It's $12 on Amazon. It's, that's the one I find most accurate. And I recommend people have some, several of those in their home and also carry one with them at all times and not go into indoor places that are below 50, unless it's just for a minute or two where you're taking a measure of the air. If it's 50 or above, imagine the hope that will be inspired because once this word gets out, once this grassroots, grassroots movement of mothers that don't go in to places that are unsafe, it, the opposite will happen. People will go in when they feel safer. And safer means 50 and above. And, uh, and then the next thing is to buy a whole home humidifier. Now, you can buy them on Amazon, and I recommend evaporative humidifier, humidifiers because they're cleaner. All the, all the humidifiers are safe, but the evaporative doesn't get stuff on your clothes and on your marble and on your furniture. And, but um, uh, they're a little over $100, and you can uh, buy one that will cover a good part of your home. You may need two or three, but the one I'm using is by AirCare. It's called an MA-1201. And then you buy a little bacteriostatic solution, put a little, like a capsule in, and uh, that's it. And so you humidify, you buy a hygrometer. And then the third thing that's extremely important, and we've touched on it, and I know you're doing it, is the vitamin D, because it turns out that what does vitamin D do? It's not a vitamin. It's a hormone that modulates your immune system. It turns on cell-mediated immunity. So the cell-mediated immunity, which is in our lungs, it, it's just a matter of switching it on, and it's so important that people who are low on vitamin D uh, have up to a 96% chance of not coming out al alive if they're hospitalized with COVID. And it's important, I think, doctor, for people to realize, especially as we've spent inordinate amounts of time indoors, locked down because of all that's been transpiring with COVID-19, we just don't get as much sunshine as we used to. And so as a result, there could be a significant percentage of the population, particularly those that are at high risk, that have sheltered in place, protecting themselves, who are also depriving themselves of exposure to sun and therefore may wind up with a vitamin D deficiency. And so that's critically important. And, uh, you know, as you point out, other studies are giving credence to this notion that if we can just simply increase uh, not the relative humidity, but the absolute humidity in the indoor environment to which we're spending a lot of time, and this is true both at your work as well as at home, we can make a significant dent into the transmission rate of COVID-19. Dr. Gusky, we're, we're plumb out of time here, but I'm wondering, in terms of being able to send listeners to a website for more information, in particular, uh, to be able to see more regarding the viral safety index and be able to see what that looks like, at least in terms of the outdoor measurements, where we are, where can we send listeners? Please ask listeners to go to the city of Roma, R-O-M-E, and click on COVID-19, and they will learn about Visualizing Hope and if they want to get in touch with me, they can get in touch through my LinkedIn page, which is on there at the very bottom, or uh, jeff at jeffgusky.com. 
and um, doing uh, speaking and helping organizations and cities to quickly get safer, faster against this virus, because we're looking at six to seven months, and it, it's going to be difficult. So um, I thank you so much, Craig. Well, I appreciate your time, Doctor. And again, I, I've looked at the the um, kind of petri dish where this experiment is taking place right now um, in Roma, Texas. And as Dr. Gusky suggests, it's worthwhile to just Google Roma, Texas. You'll see that they have placed these monitors not only throughout the city, but in critical buildings in the city as well. And they're able to then get a solid handle on exactly what the absolute humidity looks like throughout the town and in buildings. So if you're going to the store, you're sending your child to school, whatever the case might be, the capacity to measure that and then react to it. And then as Dr. Gusky suggests, there are many means by which we can help to supplement the humidity levels indoors, particularly during this dry season and we're locked up inside and the doors are shut because it's cold outside. And that extra, extra dry air is the environment in which viral infections and diseases like flu, like COVID-19, can thrive. Information, too, on Dr. Gusky's website at jeffgusky.com. That's G-U-S-K-Y, just the way it sounds, jeffgusky.com. And, Dr. Gusky, we appreciate the life-saving information. Thank you again so much for your time. Let's get a look at traffic. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right. Well, we continue our look at COVID-19. We just heard from Dr. Jeff Gusky regarding some of the steps that we can be taking to, to mitigate the spread of it indoors. All very sane, all very logical, all very easy. Um, and as we're trying to understand the spread of this, we know that government and kind of uh, attempting to, to uh, hit the moving target uh, seems to be coming up with new thoughts and ideas and rules and regulations as the days go by. We had loosely predicted that it was coming, probably going to get worse before it gets better, and, and certainly the numbers have borne that out. I think what's problematic is the amount of confusion, and by that I mean some counties are real strict, other counties not so. In some places we said, let's open back up, even as they knew that there was going to be a strong likelihood within a matter of days or weeks. In some places, you've seen restaurants that just began indoor dining again. And surprise, surprise, now the state comes in and says, no, 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 hold what you were doing. I mean, the ability to operate a business in this environment, if California wasn't already hostile in that arena for decades because of taxes and regulation and expenses. Well, boy, we have figured out how to perfect anti-business environment in the state. And, and a lot of it has to do with the new emergency orders that are affecting 41 of our 58 counties. We've now reverted to the purple status, even as leadership in Sacramento says Mind your P's and Q's, toe a hard line, don't violate the rules. And then, of course, what happens? Our own governor, who's helping to establish and write the rules, is not following the rules. So, so much for leadership by example. Jonathan Keller joins us now, president of the California Family Council. And, you know, Jonathan, there are still thousands and tens of thousands of California families reeling from 
um, the initial impact of the shutdowns back in March and April of this year, and we're seeing an enormous amount of financial pain now being suffered by these families, let alone small businesses that have been given one set of direction only to have that contradicted and countermanded within weeks, sometimes days, of the previous order, uh, making me wonder not just whether or not small business can survive with this inconsistency, but whether or not even the state can survive. Well, I think that's absolutely true, Craig. And first off, thanks for letting me be with you and your listeners again, as always. Uh, unfortunately, I think since the last time we talked, we, we saw some disappointing election results uh, at a couple of different levels. But um, the thing that is kind of the most shocking to me is to see now that the election is over, it seems like especially Governor Newsom and some other states around the country are intent on imposing more lockdowns and more restrictions. And I, I want to be very careful. Every time that I am on with you or one of the other great Salem hosts around the state, um, it, it's, it's important for us to, I think, remember that COVID-19 is, is a real disease. Um, my own cousin, I was, I was back in Texas for a meeting last week, and I was going to have breakfast with my second cousin and uh, her, her husband and their kids. We had to cancel that at the last minute because uh, overnight uh, she got a test result back and she tested positive for COVID. So I think it's important for all of us as conservatives and as Christians to be wise and to be prudent. Uh, but at the same time, the thing that is so frustrating and, and really, I think, just unethical is that the government, especially the elected officials, many of whom are coming out of our state, are with their one hand, they are taking away freedoms and imposing restrictions on the people of California. And with their other hand, they are pulling off their own mask. They are uh, opening up their own, um, the door to the hair salon, or they are going to a fancy restaurant uh, and finally getting caught and having to fess up to it. And, it, you know, Craig, it would be one thing if it was just one instance. I mean, I, I think we can have grace and mercy and we can be, you know, kind and understanding if someone makes a mistake. But when we've seen, you know, Nancy Pelosi go and get a haircut, uh, not just a, a haircut, but an actual hair salon appointment in violation of rules, we've seen Dianne Feinstein in Washington, D.C., walking around the halls of Congress and refusing to wear a mask. And most recently, the thing that has been blowing up across the country is the massive hypocrisy from Governor Newsom. Um, Craig, I'm sure you've talked about this already, but not only did Governor Newsom go to this uh, lobbyist dinner at a four-star restaurant in Napa, not only did uh, he and his wife spend uh, upwards of $400 a person for this birthday party. Uh, yesterday, a Fox TV station reported that the dinner was not outside, as they had originally suggested. It was in a, a small private room, and they were so loud, they were talking and making so much noise that the, the business, the French Laundry uh, restaurant, had to close the doors in closing them in there. And the, the photos that were posted by Fox News showed Governor Newsom and his wife uh, not wearing masks, not social distancing, everything that we have been told is the, the, the worst possible thing you can do for public health, they were not doing that. And, Craig, I don't know if you saw this, but the kicker, the thing that I think is maybe the, the thing that makes it almost unbelievable is that the other guests at that dinner 
were some of the leaders of the California Medical Association, <laughs> one of the largest, the largest healthcare union in the state, and they were the ones there that are supposed to be quote unquote keeping us safe. They were the ones that were likewise not wearing masks and not social distancing. Yeah, and you this, you this, can't even make it up. This is a classic case of don't uh, don't do as I do, do as I say. And and sadly, right. the the inability to lead by example uh, is is tragic. But but just beyond the just beyond the optics of all of this, the message that it sends, and even Sacramento Bee, uh, not necessarily a bastion of conservatism either, um, has gone on record criticizing the governor, calling the hypocrisy, and I quote, stunning. And, of course, the problem with this is we're trying to get a handle on this. We're trying to work through the regulations. We're trying to help protect lives while at the same token preserving some semblance of, of, of life on planet Earth, though it's getting to be, uh, you know, fewer and far between, unfortunately. And, and then when people come along, Jonathan, and say, I just can't trust these people. I'm not going to follow the rules because I can't trust them because the people who are in charge of establishing the rules quite clearly have no intention of following the rules. They just want to make the rules for me, but they themselves, they want to live in their own little world. This is, I think, the part that is so infinitely frustrating and ultimately dangerous. Well, I agree. And Craig, again, I want to, I want to emphasize, I, I think that if anybody in your listening audience, if they are of a, uh, a, an, a vulnerable population, you know, if you're someone who is elderly, uh, if you were someone who has pre-existing conditions, I, I have a good friend who has diabetes. Uh, my, my father uh, is a cancer survivor. If you have pre-existing conditions or comorbidities, I, I think it's very important that you take precautions. Uh, maybe it means that, you know, you, you don't uh, go to that large family Thanksgiving this year. Uh, maybe it means that, you know, you still uh, are watching church online. Uh, I, I'm not by any means encouraging listeners to be reckless or irresponsible. But the thing that is just so galling is that these individuals who said that if you wanted to go to church and uh, worship according to the dictates of your conscience, well, you were just ignoring science. You were, you know, you were disrespecting the experts. Uh, or if you felt like you, you needed to see family members because, well, I mean, Craig, having time with family, spending, spending time with our loved ones, that's, that's part of what makes life worth living. And if we're not engaging, if, if we're sacrificing all of that, then what are we really preserving? What are we really doing all this for? Um, it's one thing if that happens, but then to see our elected officials, our multimillionaire elected officials going to a birthday party with lobbyists, I mean, I'm, I think it's important to recognize there's a time for shared sacrifice, but the key word in that is not just sacrifice, it's the word shared. And if it's, if it's going to be imposed on all of us unilaterally and there's no, uh, there's no buy-in from our elected officials, uh, I think very quickly that's a recipe for disaster. And hopefully at the end of the day, uh, you know, this, this will, as we've seen great promise with vaccines, be something that will not go on forever, and we will get this behind us. But, but in the meanwhile, you know, we're, we're all going to have to pull together, and that means everybody. And we're going to have to use our brains, and that means everybody. And the government is going to have to provide leadership, and that means every government at every level. 
And uh, if we if we fail to do so, yeah, there's not going to be a life worth living. For some people, there won't be a life at all. And, and, and for the rest of us, it'll be terribly marred by all of this. Jonathan Keller, president of the California Family Council. We appreciate that update. Much more to come here on the Wednesday edition of Lifeline from KFAX. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. A week from tomorrow is Thanksgiving for many of us. You say, Craig, why do you say many as opposed to all of us? Well, because the harsh reality is we've been discussing the the medical impact of COVID-19 is the impact economically means that there will be some families for which a week from tomorrow will just be another day on the calendar. They may be home. They may be with their families. They might not even be home because they might have lost their home in this economic downturn. So now they're doing what? Well, they're living on the streets. They're couch hopping. Maybe they've set up the pup tent in the backyard of a neighbor. Whatever the case might be, that's the harsh reality of where we are today in the San Francisco Bay Area. And we're looking at an exponential increase in the number of not just individuals, but homeless families because of the impact of COVID-19. That makes the job of organizations like Bay Area Rescue Mission even harder because of the challenges not just of operating and ministering and serving and meeting needs with all the COVID-19 restrictions, but doing so with so many more people in desperate shape in crisis mode, needing help. We want to make Thanksgiving a bit brighter for them. So we partnered again with the Bay Area Rescue Mission to make sure that every needy family that has signed up for a box of hope containing a full traditional Thanksgiving meal that'll serve an average of um, 20-something plates per family, that they can receive that and be blessed and encouraged, be introduced to the gospel, be given a sense of hope in a time that for many has been so terribly hopeless. Let's get a quick update now from John Anderson, Executive Director of the Bay Area Rescue Mission. And uh, John, I know each day as we inch closer to Thanksgiving, the sense of excitement, anticipation, and maybe even a little bit of dread continues to increase there at the Bay Area Rescue Mission. Well, Craig, it's uh, been a very busy day. A lot going on as our chefs, our cooks, and volunteers are getting ready for this week of Thanksgiving. You know, for us, it really starts Sunday, Sunday dinner, and we'll do Thanksgiving dinner and lunch all the way through Thursday. And, Craig, I've got to share with you a couple of things. One, we still need to raise $9,000 to pay for all the Thanksgiving food and meals that are going to be prepared or given away. And, Craig, that... Also, with the new restrictions because of COVID-19 and the, what they're calling this latest round of surge, uh, it looks like our job just got a little more challenging because we won't be able to do sit-down meals at the rescue mission. So that means more boxes of hope and more prepared meals that we'll have to be giving away. You know, Craig, just before I left the rescue mission, uh, about 30, 40 minutes ago, uh, I got word that we have already made arrangements for the 1,500 boxes of hope that was our goal to be providing to people in great need this Thanksgiving. 
and I just know that there's going to be a couple hundred more that that show up. The need is that great and that challenging this year. Indeed so. And so with that, we want to urge listeners again, as we met last night, we had an update of the 1,500 boxes that we had committed to make available, the families that we committed to adopt. We were about uh, 1,250 in, leaving about 250. We've, we've knocked down that that number a bit. But as John Anderson points out, there's so much more to be done, and we're anticipating more families coming forward, especially, as John points out, these new restrictions mean people that were just opened are just closing again. The level of fear, and I mentioned about the sense of approaching this with a sense of, of excitement but a bit of dread. The dread is, what do you do if you have to turn people away? What do you do? You, you, you don't want to do that. But the reality is the resources are necessary to make this happen. $40 will feed the average family of five a couple of dozen meals. They'll get a traditional Thanksgiving turkey, stuffing, vegetables, dessert pies, cranberry sauce, all that you would enjoy at your home on Thanksgiving, they will be provided as well, and enough food to actually uh, take care of the family for several days. That's just for $40. But because of an incredible short-term challenge grant, every dollar that you donate is going to be matched dollar for dollar. So a $40 gift that would feed an average family that traditional Thanksgiving dinner and plenty more for up to 20 meals will mean that two families will be blessed that way. So I want to wonder tonight, if you have heard us talk about this, you've heard the commercials, you've heard us dialogue, you've thought about it, prayed about it, I want to encourage you now is the time to do something about it. Your action is so critically important. Would you be willing right now to give a $80 one-time gift with the challenge match? That means four families will be adopted and fed those traditional Thanksgiving meals in their home. For just $80. Every dollar is fully tax deductible. And the easiest way to give is just to go online to kfax.com and click on the Bay Area Rescue Mission banner at the top of our homepage. That's at kfax.com and click on the banner. You can use any major credit card. You can also give your gift by check if you prefer. Just uh, click on the box there, and they will send you a postage paid envelope to make it real easy. You write your check, drop it in the mail. It'll do its thing. We urgently need to make sure that all 1,500 that we've committed for, all 1,500 families are taken care of, and we have about 200 more to go. I would even put out a challenge and ask if there is one listener who will be able to give a one-time gift tonight of, say, $800 for 40 families. That's what it will take care of with the matching grant. So let's hear from you right now. Go to kfax.com and click on the Bay Area Rescue Mission banner at the top of your homepage. Thank you so much, John Anderson, for that update live from the Bay Area Rescue Mission.